0: attitude is contagious, is yours worth catching, is what I always tell people.
1: Dave Steinberg, and welcome to the Mortgages Made Easy podcast. I'm so privileged to um, have as my guest my not cousin, Orly Steinberg. And um, I've known Orly, I don't know, for close to 20 years. She is a powerhouse, she is an amazing realtor. And now she also takes the time to coach and guide other realtors in how to do business better. Orly, how are you?
0: I'm good, David. Very good to be here. I'm honored to be uh, invited to speak on your podcast.
1: So tell me if if I were a realtor, what advice would you give me today?
0: So interesting that you should say that because being a realtor for thirty six years, um I did a lot of things right, made some mistakes along the way. And the biggest lesson that I got from watching other realtors around me, is not just to succeed in real estate, but have life balance as much as possible as well, because without a life, um, nothing is worth it. And I do coach other realtors who don't even do that much business, but are working very hard to at 11, 12 o'clock at night, seven days a week. And I just wanted to help other realtors thwart that path and do things more systematized, more balanced, put themselves into the quotient first, and then the business. So I wrote a book actually, two years ago, I published it on Amazon. Let me see, let me see. So here's the book, it's called Mindset Reset for Real Estate Success. And the premise of the book are a lot of how to's, it's written in the format of a workbook. So it starts with asking yourself questions, Um, clarity, what does success mean to you? Putting blinders on for the FOMO of what everybody else is doing, and really focusing on your path and what you need. It focuses on a morning routine, which we should all have. It's amazing to me how many times I'll talk to a realtor in a transaction and it's 12 or noon, one o'clock in the afternoon. They said, oh, you know, I'm just getting dressed or I'm jumping into the shower. And I'm like amazed because I'm in the office every day at 8.30, (laughs) dressed and ready for business. (laughs) And it amazes me how, you know, haphazard things are because this is a job. It's a job. It's a and you're a professional. And you're a professional.
1: And if you're not a professional, find something else to do.
0: Or recognize that's maybe the reason why you're not succeeding. But there's a difference between having a job, a career, and a passion. So for a lot of the people that I hang around with, like you, this is a passion. And that's a whole different level of living and doing business. When you have purpose and you love what you do and you love pouring into other people, whether they be other agents or your clients, as opposed to having a career and you can have a very successful career and that's okay. But having a job to me is boring and not, uh, not fulfilling.
1: Hmm. So tell us more about how you guide realtors. Are you coaching people now? I do. I coach uh, many people.
0: And one of my um, chapters in my book on that life balance quotient is dealing with your five pillars. And the five pillars are health, because if we're not healthy, we're not good for anybody. When you're down for the count and you've got the flu, you're not helping anybody else. So health is first. Family, relationships, because when you're having a fight with your spouse or somebody close to you, again, it's hard to focus So when you keep all of those things healthy in your life, you can really focus on what you want to focus with. So it's health, personal relationships, wealth. And you should always think about wealth building. In fact, this morning, I heard that only 8% of realtors around the country actually own rental properties. That's a crime. I I can't believe it. Because here we are in the business of selling real estate, something we believe in, And yet you don't put your money where your mouth is. So if you're not creating your own wealth, shame on you, because at the end of the day, no one's giving us a pension and no one's giving us a um, retirement plan. So Mm -hmm. you have to plan for that yourself. Then there's personal growth because we're always evolving. And I write in my book that if you don't evolve, you dissolve. So you should always be growing and thinking and hanging around with higher minded people in order to elevate yourself. And the last one is business. The last one is business growth, because that you can get in so many places. It's just a matter of implementing. But the other four to me are more important.
1: And and the truth is that if you are healthy, both in mind and spirit, and you hang around with great people, you'll attract people who want to hang around with you
0: totally attitude is contagious is yours worth catching is what i always tell
1: people so and either... i know that when i'm at a conference with you everyone's trying to get to talk to Orly.
0: well you're either a magnet or you repel people that's your and it's a choice and it's a choice it's not what's going on in your life it's who you are innately and you are one of those people as well that has a natural positive aura about you so sometimes if you don't have that naturally Fake it till you make it.
1: <laughs> What's your passion?
0: People, people. I just love people. I, I. That's my energy. That's why I come into the office every day. I, many of us can work from home and, and um, do the same thing. But to me, it's not the same. I feed off of the energy of people. When I'm with a client, I'm, I'm channeling them. I'm. I'm getting into their soul, their spirit. I'm learning about them. And everyone in the world has something to teach you from their life experiences, um, from what not to do. I, I started this business at 29 years old and I would watch my clients and I would have a what not to do list when people were selling their homes as soon as their kids went off to college and and I said, well, what happens when the kid comes back from college? I go, oh, we'll get them a guest room. And I said, I would never do that. So that was one of my core values where, and maybe it's being Jewish, but, you know, I am I perceive myself as a safety net for my children. I'm there always. You can always come and fall back here. In fact, my daughter's in Hoboken today where the water main broke. And, you know, I texted her since last night, you know, come home and, and she's finally coming home tonight because they can't flush a toilet. So you're the safety net. So it was. Lessons about what to do in life to elevate your life, your relationships, your wealth building, um, building a life, and lessons of what not to do. But you can only get that from speaking to people and really getting into their lives and really being a good listener and a good um, question asker, because it's all about the questions, not the answers.
1: And having the right mentors and having the right peers. Yes, for sure. For sure. So... Let's get down to building a great real estate business. What are the core foundations of a great real estate business?
0: Consistency. Consistency is one of the biggest core foundations because it's not about what you do. It's about how consistent you do it. And I always like to say real estate is a Chinese menu. You can take one from column A and two from column B. Make it your own, but do it. So if you're not good at FSBOs, don't beat yourself up. Don't do it. I'm giving you permission right now not to ever call another Fizbo again. But if you're good at open houses, and that's where you convert, and that's where you get your business, then why not do an open house twice a weekend, Saturday and Sunday, if that's what you choose to do. I happen to be a mailing queen and a branding. I branded myself in my marketplace for three day over three decades that's my forte so you don't have to do everything every time you go to a conference and overwhelm yourself and get stressed out pick three or four things that you actually enjoy doing and i know realtors that enjoy door knocking not one of my things there's realtors who enjoy expireds, but do them and do them consistently in a systematic way and Mm. be disciplined enough this like i said it starts with being a job so it's about time blocking Put your schedule together. Right now, I'm planning my events for March. I'm doing a seller seminar as well as a a client VIP event where we're going to be making charcuterie boards. Mm. So I'm inviting 10 of my super VIP women clients and I'm going to have them invite 10 of their friends. So I'm building my database. I'm deeply connected with those 10 VIP clients, which I cannot do at an event for 100 people. And we're going to have fun at the same time because I said, "What would I want to do?" So I chose something that would be fun for me. And now we have somebody that's going to teach us how to make the charcuterie board. We're going to brand them, and each one gets to take it home.
1: Mm. Wow. Lovely. So, so rigor and is 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 critical. Having a schedule, having knowing what you're great at. Correct. correct.
0: What is your superpower? Ask yourself, what is your superpower? And what do you love doing? Because if you love doing it, you'll do it.
1: That's one of my favorite questions, what's your superpower? Yeah. Um, Okay, so what's next? So so now that you have a schedule, and you're focusing on what you do great, what's the next?
0: So the next thing is to put systems and checklists in place. So you're not reinventing the wheel every single time. So as you build your business, the first thing that you're building is a database because without that, you have absolutely nothing. So, and in that database, you're building what they call it, Kelly Williams, a smart plan. So what is the plan for that database? How many times are you touching them? How are you touching them? Whether it's calling them quarterly, emailing them monthly, we do a quarterly update of what the market's doing and then having the events throughout the year. So you're face-to-face. So you're building that plan, whether your database is 10 people that you're hyper-focused on, or my database, which has about 1300 VIPs
1: Mm.
0: and about 200 super VIPs. So those are the Mm. platinum people who give me referrals, who have repeated business with me and who I love. Mm. And love on them, really, really love on them like you would a friend.
1: And and you know, I think that that's absolutely critical in understanding your success because you can't... In fact, I'm wearing a shirt today that happens to have love on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're so genuine about the way you feel about your clients and you're so protective of your clients. Yes. Um, you know, I know that the question I always ask myself first is, if you were my best friend, what would I recommend for you? Right. And a, a, you come from a position not of needing the business but of service and the business will follow.
0: And you're absolutely, and doing the right thing. We sold a house in fact, to a family last January and uh, a new septic had to go in. It happens to be across the street from my house. I was watching the septic take forever to go in between weather, the supply chain whatever, only to find out that a year and a month later this morning that it's not, there's an issue with it. There was a repair issue. So I started making phone calls and and really trying to get to the crux of what needs to be done to resolve this issue. And they love Ringwood. They love the area. They love the school system. But rightfully so, if they go to sell this house in five years or whenever, this issue is going to come up. So it's getting reinvolved because, A, they're my neighbors now, so how could I drive by and, and ignore this issue? And second of all, they're our VIP clients now, and you want to resolve something because it's your responsibility forever, forever, not just mm-hmm. closing.
1: So, you know, for, for, for the realtors listening to this, just understand what Orly's saying. You know, she is not a transactional agent. Her... her her mindset is if you're my client you're my client forever and and she's going out there i mean she could easily say neighbor or not neighbor not my problem not my problem i don't know anything about uh, septic systems i don't know any you know not not my job but right. orally you know the the love that you bring and the focus that you bring you know that comes through now for for a realtor listening to this, you know, they're, they're, the question you, you, you encounter sometimes is you, you meet a realtor who needs the transaction so much that they'd sell their soul to close the transaction, whether or not that would be in the client's best interest. And, you know, the, that may get you the transaction, but you'll lose the war.
0: Well, not only that, but when things go wrong, there's a reason for it. And I have a classic story. Years ago, I was consulting with a couple that uh, were middle-aged. They were thinking of retiring. The, The wife was very close to retirement, and the husband was not, mentally. And we were talking. It was about five years ago, so the market wasn't as crazy as this market. And after hearing them both and really hearing where they were coming from, I literally stepped back and said let's skip this dance and they said what I go let's skip the dance and they go what dance I said I'm going to put your house in the market for a price that it's not going to sell for you're going to be upset and frustrated that it's not selling you're going to come back to me and tell me I'm not doing my job I'm not marketing the house well enough and we need to reduce and you're going to refuse to reduce because your husband is not ready to sell he's not emotionally there yet so why don't we skip the dance and the frustration? You call me when you're ready and I'll be there. And they felt so heard and hugged me that two years later, they called me. We sold the house within two weeks. They're now in a townhouse. I see them on Facebook all the time, traveling the world. They happened to be in Africa this week and it was the right time. So by needing a listing and listing their house, they would have been frustrated with me Probably not sold because he wasn't ready. So he would have refused any low offer or realistic offer. And I probably would have lost that business in the future. They would have gone with another realtor because I failed. So sometimes you have to, not sometimes, you always have to put their best interests in mind and just stay in touch. So that's the other part of this. Stay in touch, follow up, because success is in the follow-up. And I listed two houses this year alone, one that I've been following up with for eight years and one of them 13 years. When they're ready, you'll be there. And I always like to tell my team when they're frustrated that business doesn't happen now, I need to eat next month and I need to eat next year and I need to eat three years from now. So when it's the right time for you, I'll be there.
1: And the the key is your ability to listen and empathize. So Realtors listen to Orly and understand what she brings to the table, and you know if you're looking for a role model of a um, of a love realtor, of a realtor who starts with love and then has an amazing business. You know, I'm not sure if her business would have been better had she been one of those tough bitches, to use the term, or, or the fact that she focuses so much energy on empathizing and listening to the clients and helping the clients get their vision of what they need and want. That's a, that's a role model for realtors all over the country.
0: Well, people feel you and they feel whether you have commission breath or whether you're there for them when they need you. And when you're detached from the outcome, people feel that. And I've actually said that to them when we're either negotiating or whatever. I said, look, I'm detached from the outcome. I can afford to retire today if I want to. I'm doing this business because I still love it. But I'm here for you to guide you and tell you the truth and tell you what you need to hear. You do with that information what's best for you. And people feel that um, authenticity.
1: Who's the right realtor? Who's, what does your client, realtor client, look like? So, my realtor
0: client is um, mostly women, I would say, because my forte is that life balance component. So, it, it's not, I, I don't want to coach people just to grind. That to me is not joyful. I want to bring joy into people's lives. So, it's not just about the grind. Tell me about your life. Tell me about your business. Let's build systems into it that make your life easier and then let's build in time for yourself so I go on about three vacations a year with my family I go away to conferences I do girls weekends so I take I barely work weekends unless it's a a listing appointment that I have to take on the weekend I barely work after five or six o'clock in the evening so yes it took me time to get there and I did build a team so I have that kind of leverage but it's putting boundaries in place It's not being a Pop Tart and running every time somebody needs you. It's not answering the phone after a certain time of night. I don't care if it's a realtor or a client. The day is over. That's it. And it's amazing to me how, at this point in my career, how few phone calls I get after hours. People just kind of innately know it, even if they just started working with me. If you're giving them what they need between nine and five, like a doctor or attorney do, they shouldn't have to bother you unless it's a real dire emergency. And trust me, guys. There are very few emergencies in real estate. The emergencies in real estate are in our minds, not in reality. Nothing will happen and no one will die in the operating room table if you don't adhere to it immediately.
1: Hmm. And do most of your clients have teams?
0: Um, Actually, no. I would say the bulk of them are single agents. A few of them have a team, but most most of them are single agents. Hmm. Building, building their careers or trying to get to the next level.
1: At what point in an agent's career should they look at hiring an assistant?
0: I would say at about 30 transactions. If you're at 30 transactions in this day and age, with all of the um, paperwork and bureaucracy that comes with it, that's the time to hire your first hire, which should be a great admin, a great transaction coordinator who's very detail-oriented young and can grow in that role you want somebody that can grow in that role to then be a director of operations so look at their skills give them the disc analysis the kpa whatever you use and make sure that you're thinking long term don't just fill a hole right now and put a band-aid on your business because that's the biggest mistake people make they're desperate they're overwhelmed and they hire the first person that says yeah i'll do the job for that amount
1: Mm -hmm. And you know, I think the difference between a great leader and a OHA manager is that great leaders hire great people.
0: Right, and are invested in their growth. Because when you're invested in somebody else's growth, they will rise to the occasion. Hmm. And you want somebody who wants to grow. If, if, you know, the thing that I always, it's the book, Good to Great, I don't want to hire somebody good. I want great. I don't want somebody coming in here at nine o'clock, punching a clock and then running out of here at five when there's still things that need to be at her to own your job, own it Mm -hmm. and love it.
1: I love it. So Orly, (laughs) thank you so much. You're a true inspiration. Uh, I, I admire the integrity that you bring to your business. The, the, uh, the love that you bring to your business, and it's been such a pleasure having you uh, having you on this uh, podcast. This is Dave Steinberg. This has been the Mortgages Made Easy podcast with uh, our guest Orally Steinberg. And thank you so much for listening. My
0: pleasure. Thank you.
1: You get set. Hi, this is Dave Steinberg, and we're here with one of my favorite uh, realtors, Orly Steinberg, no relation, who uh, on the Mortgages Made Easy podcast. And thank you so much for joining us.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: You sit right at the juncture of uh, Pasea County and Bergen County, um, and um, you have such a great team. Tell us a little bit about your team
0: first. So I have a team of six other women that work for me exclusively. Three are buyer specialists, and the other are admin, because that's the only way that I can give the kind of service that our clients deserve.
1: Hmm. And as we record this, we're February 28th, 2023. Tell us a little bit about your market.
0: So what's wonderful about our marketplace, we're up in Ringwood, New Jersey, where we have 70 percent state park and watershed. So we have two beautiful Ringwood Manor, Skylands Manor, we have the reservoir and 70% of which is, will never be built on. We're in the Highlands. So only 30% is populated on these 27 square acres right on the border of Bergen County. And we are about 45 minutes away from Manhattan. No Mm -hmm. traffic, disclaimer, no traffic. So you've got the best of both worlds. You can come to Ringwood, where we attract a lot of first-time homebuyers because of our affordability. We've got a lot of outdoor people because of the three lakes that are in town. So you can buy a lakefront or be in a lake community, which is a whole different lifestyle. You can go skiing less than an hour north of here, and in the evening you can go to a Broadway show. So you've got the best of all worlds. Mm. And well, that, yes. Yeah. So we attract a lot of first-time homebuyers. We have. Um, more affordability than Bergen County. Uh, you can get a house here as little as $350,000 for mm-hmm. a three-bedroom home, which is huge. Now, granted, this market is very tight with inventory as we have been experiencing for the last three years.
1: So when you say it's tight in inventory, does that mean that it's harder to for a buyer to buy than it is for a seller to sell? Totally, and I think that... Um,
0: People are talking about the shift in the market. Well, it hasn't reached us yet. In some parts of the country, prices are starting to stabilize and come down. Here, we have plateaued as far as pricing, but we are still experiencing many, many bidding wars. Almost every house has a bidding war on it because there are, we had an open house this weekend, granted very, very low price range, as is, um, needs a lot of renovation for 230000 We had 50 people through the open, 50 groups through the open house. Mm. And we've got 11 offers on the table right now.
1: You know, so if I were a seller listening to you, what I'm hearing is that this is an opportune time, because the sellers still have the opportunity to put their home on the market and get a good interest in their property
0: unequivocally. This is a fabulous time for sellers. And I believe the statistic is that 92% of homeowners around the country have equity today. So because of what's happened in the last three years, unless you abused your equity, um, even if you're in forbearance or owe more money than you would like, or you're thinking of doing something down the line, you will walk away with money. In fact, I just listed a house where I didn't realize a seller was in forbearance but she is still going to walk away with 150,000. So it's a great time for sellers to take advantage. And the other reason that it's a great time for sellers is buyers are very forgiving right now. So all of those minor home inspection issues go by the wayside. We're still seeing some buyers that are waiving the appraisal and they know not to push their luck with the sellers. So it's a great time for sellers where they have a lot of leverage.
1: And so if you think about it, if let's say there's uh, someone who bought their home maybe 15 or 20 years ago, they raised their kids, their kids have moved out. You no, know, that's a sore point, but you know, maybe they're ready to, uh, they're starting to think about relocating. You know, there's a risk about waiting, isn't there?
0: Well, we don't, none of us have a crystal ball, at least mine broke in 2008. So not knowing what the future holds, if you're thinking of moving, first of all, I always say it's never too easy, never too early to call a realtor, never too early to call me. I have people calling me three years before they're thinking of doing it because you want to know what ducks you need to put in, the, in, in a row. You want to know what, if anything, you need to do to your home. So you're not overwhelmed and spending a lot of money right beforehand and you get to enjoy it. And sometimes, very often, I have people who do too much to their home, spend too much money that they didn't need to, and they would have gotten the same amount of money. So call in the professional and the expert to tell you exactly what you need to do. What is your home worth today? So you have a baseline, just like you have a baseline with your doctor, and then they can address it for you with um, systems like HomeBot or whatever to keep you updated on what the market's doing even if you're thinking long term.
1: Mm. And you know for our for our audience I love to say some of the people who listen to several of these will have heard this before. One of the great takeaways is that if I was going to put my home on the market and I had a choice between working with orally or working with somebody who has their license for 3 hours I would probably pay them the same. But the experience and the value is not comparable. Working with you know a top top agent like Orley, who understands the market and really cares deeply for her clients is a totally different experience. And, you know, this is a huge financial transaction. And I think that from a buyer or a seller's perspective. You need to think about not who do you know, but who's going to serve you best. And in our market, it's early.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that because I always say the job of a good realtor is to educate your client, act as their detached consultant, offer them options, and be a problem solver. That Mm -hmm. is really the job of a good realtor of just mm. be there with different options because things will come along the way, little bumps in the road, and you just have to have an array of options for the client and say, look, this is what we're dealing with. You can choose A, B, or C. You let me know what the best course of action for it, but at least you've got resources and you've got options for them as opposed to, I don't know, your problem, not mine. Mm.
1: Now, what about buyers? So sure. if if I'm, you, you, you said that, you know, there's a lot of first-time home buyers. If I'm uh, starting out and I'm looking to buy a home in in Ringwood or nearby, what should I be aware of? What are my, What should my process look
0: like? So, your process is. I always say the the process of buying is the process of education and elimination. So that's in what you're looking for. But you really have to sit down with your realtor, and a lot of buyers are reluctant these days to do that because they think it's a waste of time. However, the most valuable part of working with a realtor is the buyer consultation, where they can really talk to you about your lifestyle. What are you looking to accomplish? What's the time frame? Are you looking to be in the house for three years or 30 years? Because it makes a big difference in what you're going to buy and how much you're going to spend, especially with today's interest rates. Key to your profession, David, is to get pre-approved. You know, it's like going to the mall with a credit card and you don't know what your limit is. How comfortable are you going to feel spending money at the mall when you don't know if you can afford to pay the bill when it arrives at the end of the month? Same thing with the pre-approval because when you see that house and there's six other buyers vying for it and you're just catching up and trying to get your pre-approval, you just missed an opportunity because by the time you get that done correctly, because it takes more than an hour, sometimes it takes a few days to vet everything and it's almost like a mortgage commitment and 90% of a mortgage commitment with the right mortgage lender like David, that's, you're ready to go. But until then, you're a horse that can't get out of the gate. Mm. So by knowing how much you can spend and knowing why you're buying, where you're going and what kind of lifestyle you're buying it for, now we put those pieces together and we start looking at the lack of inventory that's out there. And if you see something that you like, I see a lot of buyers that are over analyzing. They wanna see the comps, they wanna know this. This is not that kind of a market. The comps are whatever you're willing to pay for it because if I analyze it for you and tell you it's worth X, some three other buyers are willing to pay X plus more and that just became the new comp. So don't overanalyze it because in the scheme of life, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Right now, the United States is lacking 5 million homes. It's going to take 10 years to replenish that inventory for the baby boomers that are moving and downsizing and the younger generations, which is the biggest generation coming into this market and leaving their parents' basement finally. So with the lack of inventory, you will have equity, I promise you. And even when the market dips, people think markets go down like this and they do. But then when they go up, they go up even higher and then they dip again and then they go up even higher. So as long as you stay in your home six to eight years, you will catch it at some form of the cycle, but you'll always end up on top with equity.
1: What I like to tell my clients is that the data is the data, but a home is not only about the data. And um, and, and what this house might be worth orally may be very different than what it's worth to me. Um, and, and that's because, uh, boy, if, if you need to catch a train into the city, and there's, uh, uh, there's, uh, you, this one is walking distance to train versus not, it might be worth more to me than it is to you. Or if I work, I work from home, so I don't need a train. That wouldn't be an important factor. So, the subjective in a lot of these cases is far more important than the quote what the data holds what the what the you know mathematical value is and the other thing that is happening in this market
0: which reinforces having to buy rather than renting is that rents are going up 6.3% a year rents never come down never ever ever come down so you are basically paying somebody else's mortgage my mm-hmm. daughter is now paying $4000 a month for a two bedroom in Hoboken, which is killing me. However, however, she knows being a daughter of a realtor that she will be buying within the next year and probably spending that amount on a mortgage and building her equity and having a home to raise a family. So it makes no sense to rent unless you're a transient person that doesn't know if you're going to be in the state for very long or you have horrible credit or you have no down payment and you can't buy. But unless You can't buy, I would urge everyone to buy because rents are going to go through the roof.
1: And you're and and if you don't buy, you're in a constant race.
0: And you're You're chasing a
1: constant race. You're chasing the market. Because after all, after all, if you don't buy today, what's going to happen is a year from now, the property will probably be worth more. The same property will be worth more. And the increase in Cost will not, your increase in savings won't offset your increase in cost.
0: Correct. They're saying that we're going to have an average, and we've always had an average of 4% appreciation a year. So you can either pay 6.3% more in your rent, or you can gain 4% appreciation in your house.
1: Mm. Fabulous. Three quick points. What are three quick points that a buyer needs to to? to do right now to be ready to buy in the market?
0: Get your pre-approval first, have the buyer consultation so you know exactly who you are and what you need. And if you see something, don't hesitate, dive in, be committed to the process. This is about being committed to the process. This is not for people that are sticking their toe in the water. If If you're not ready to dive in and do what you have to do and get the guidance of your realtor to get that house, then you may want to step this market out and obviously lose opportunity because you will be losing opportunity. And it's not the personality of some people to have to do that, but sometimes you have to do what you have to do. And I happen to be a conservative person myself financially. When I'm dealing with conservative buyers, I tell them this is not the time to be conservative. This is one time in your life where you have to dive in and, and just get the house.
1: And if I might be so bold, I think the fourth point is assemble your team early on. Oh, have absolutely. your realtor, have your inspector, have your attorney, have your mortgage broker, have a, a dream team. You're already absolutely
0: right. You are so correct because when I have people using my dream team, it's amazing how we get to the closing table with fluidity and we transition and it's smoother and it's not like we don't have issues. But we're all in together to do what you, what is best for the client, and we get there smoother. And when people use Uncle Harry for the mortgage and Cousin Ed for the home inspection, there's nothing but issues. There's nothing but issues because there's distrust. So trust your realtor, and you should trust your realtor. They're in it for you. They don't get paid until the closing And I think you can feel- And if you
1: don't trust your realtor, get a realtor like Orly that you can trust.
0: Exactly, exactly. You know, maybe you're not with the right person, but you should be with somebody that you feel has your best interest at heart.
1: This has been the Mortgage is Made Easy uh, podcast. Thank you so much, Orly Steinberg, for joining us. We'll post your contact information below. And this has been a blast. Long time coming. Thank you. I appreciate it.